This morning I'm a little overwhelmed. It's um, I've been spending a lot of time in this this passage we're going to be looking at this morning towards the end of Colossians, um, and the Lord's been teaching me stuff. And just this morning, as we um, as we worship and answer the songs that were chosen, the prayers that came out, things that God has been showing me through the Word, the Lord's started bringing out already this morning in our worship and and in the prayers and proclamations, and it's just. It's, um, it's awesome to see God behind what we're doing here this morning. Yes. See Him just pulling some things together and just drawing things so that our, our hearts and focuses are on the same thing. Um, oh, we have not tap that. Um, but yeah, I'm excited that God might open all of our hearts and minds this morning and draw us a little bit closer to Him. Um, passage we're looking at, what I've been aware of as I've looked at it, is that this is right at the end of the book of Colossians. Um, just before, like at the end of most books, he tells us a little bit about the people that are around him. He says Timothy's up to this, and Ephesus is up to this, and he tells us those kind of details. The bit we're looking at today is the final instruction. So he said three chapters breaking down all kinds of stuff, and then this is the final bit. Um... What I want us to be conscious of is that when, when this was written, so Paul was in prison, and he's writing this letter to this church in a place called Colossae. Uh, we know it as Colossians. When it was written, so you know, people were, were used to gathering, coming together. One morning they would have heard, hey, Paul's written this letter. You know, and they're all gathering like, man, they'd go to the Apostle Paul. We've heard about the Apostle Paul. He's written us a letter. And so they're all gathering, they're all sitting in, and one morning, somebody gets up without a microphone, it's 2,000 years ago, and reads the whole letter from beginning to end. So they hear it in one, one go, the whole message, like it's a letter to these people. How many, how many weeks have you been going through Colossians? It's been a few. It's been a few. So we break it down a little bit by a little bit, but and it's helpful to take in the heart of each piece, but we lose the big picture. Um, Paul was giving this whole lot of stuff, and then the bit we're looking at today is where he's trying to just wrap it up, just trying to present something that would be the, the pinnacle of the blessing of what he's trying to share. Um, I love Mexican food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and as I was thinking through this, like for me, a helpful analogy is to see this message as like it's the burrito. <laughs> you know, all the way through Colossians, Paul's been preparing the meat, mixing in the spices, preparing the sauces, chopping the tomatoes and the greens, grating the cheese, smashing the avocados. And now it's tortilla time. <laughs> now he's got the tortilla out, he's going to put it all together and give it in a way that's a real blessing to those who are there. Let's pray before we look into the room. Father, this morning I, just, I thank you for the things you've been showing me. Father, may you open all of our eyes and all of our ears that we might see and understand you more, that we might draw nearer to you, that we may grow in the things you wanted to show us. Father, may you speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name. The um, quick skin then of the first three chapters. 
because it helps us to know what's in the burrito if we understand all the ingredients. In chapter 1, Paul is praying for the church. Three times he says in there that he's praying for them. Then he's also affirming the church as God's people. He's wanting them to understand really clearly that they are solid and that they are Christ's people. Not to get lost in that. There's, a, there's a, like a poem in there where he spends his time just exalting Christ. Talking about how amazing Jesus is there at the creation of the world. And then he speaks about how the gospel truth is spreading and how it's his role to be, to be sharing it around. Those are kind of the key things in chapter 1. Chapter 2, he wants the church to have complete confidence in Christ. There's false teachers and there's things that can deceive them. And he's saying, just be aware of the lies. Be aware of the deception. Christ is all that you need. And that's the heart of chapter 2. In chapter 3, he encourages them to set their sights and their minds in heaven. Where Christ is. Where their new life is founded. Like, let's, let's put our attention there. He challenges and encourages them to put to death their sinful ways of living, the old ways of life, and to put on the new life that Christ has given us. Mm-hmm. Cause them to live and to speak as representatives of Jesus. And in a real quick amount, that's three chapters of Colossians. That's kind of the heart of the ingredients. He shared all of that with them. And, and I think the, the aspects of the false teachers, the aspects of trying to be real clear that you are solid in Christ, you are His, are the things that really stand out for me as I looked at it. But now it's tortilla time. How's He going to wrap it up? How's He going to bring this together? Chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Um, eight words. As, as I was going through this, it's like four of them need a lot of attention. Devote yourselves. We, uh, we live in an age and a world where people will set their sights on something they really want. You know, someone maybe wants to make it to the Olympics, somebody wants a job, somebody wants to make the All Blacks. And, and their life is obsessed and focused on that thing. They're devoted. We will talk about someone who's really devoted to achieving their goal. Paul calls us to be devoted to prayer. Other translations say never give up. Be persistent in prayer. Continue steadfastly. It's, it's like not an image of you know, making sure we're praying once a day. It's not an image of let's make sure we give thanks at our meals. It's being devoted continually in prayer. Which is an interesting thing to think about. And so let's think about prayer. Let's think of what what prayer is. Um, It's really easy when we approach someone who, for one way or another in society, is of a higher place than us. It's really, you know, whether it's a boss or a headmaster, um, parent, 
it's really easy for us to approach them sometimes in fear. They're kind of intimidated. You know, like where we stand depends a lot on how they respond to us. But it's not so for us as Christians. Jesus taught us how to pray. And, and when we look at how he taught us in Matthew chapter 6, so a couple of really key things stand out. First of all, prayer is all about relationship. Abba, Father. It's not dear sir. Abba, Father. Um, I think it's, it's a fair point. Like For some of us, Father isn't the greatest relational term. And in, in other parts of scriptures, um, God is referred to as being like a mother hen. The point is, is that he's, he's caring and he's loving in the ideal way of the Father. Prayer is relational. Jesus goes on to Abba, Father, hallowed be thy name. Like, it's about exalting him. It's about saying, I love you. Just, you're so awesome. It's relating to God, first and foremost. Second things that Jesus goes on to talk about is how prayer is about relying on God. Because we need Him. He says, let your kingdom come, your will be done. So it's about the things that are way out of our control. Way bigger than us. You know, wars, flooding, all sorts of issues that are so much bigger than us. We bring them before God. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We rely on him for the big things. But there's also nothing too simple, nothing too small, nothing that's too trivial to bring before God. Please give us today our daily bread. Man, I for bread. I need some bread. Nothing is too simple to bring before God. And then Jesus teaches us that nothing is too personal. It's about our broken lives. And it's about our broken relationships. The, the worst parts of us, the parts that for some, in some times, some situations, nobody sees it except for ourselves. The parts we're most ashamed of. We bring those things before God. Okay? So prayer is about, it's about relationship. And it's about reliance on God for the greatest things, the simplest things, and the most personal things. So Paul writes, devote yourselves to prayer. Pour yourself out in prayer and relating to God and relying on God. Not just once a day, not just at mealtimes, but learning to converse. Like when we have a good relationship with anybody, we talk with them. And let's keep in mind, God is always with us. And so constantly we can just be praying. Constantly just, um, just bringing issues, needs, our required, our needs for wisdom. Constantly bringing those things before Him. And so this is how Paul starts his tortilla. Starts to wrap it out. Devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. Then he's got two things that he wants us to kind of be aware of or focus on in our prayers. Being watchful. Other translations saying being alert. A couple of references, a couple of thoughts around that. 
I mean, being in this area um, from Auckland, like some of the, the references to Captain Cook, to Young Nick's Head, like that's foreign in Auckland. Like, I mean, you heard about it in primary school, but you're not regularly reminded of it. Of, so, so Young Nick it was the first to see New Zealand um, on, on the endeavour. The, what it would require for somebody who is um, up the ship's mast, who's on the ship somewhere and trying to keep an eye out for things. The whole concept of being alert, the whole concept of being watchful, they're looking for land, looking for opportunities, but also watching for dangers, watching the horizon for other ships, watching the ocean for whether it's whales, or I don't know. But just that, that need to be so alert and so watchful. There's a lot of lives at stake if the person up top goes to sleep. So we are called to be watchful in our prayers. Now I think when we look back at those early ingredients that come out in chapter 2, there's a lot about the false teachers, a lot about the lies and the deceptions we face. And I think it's, it's a point for us to be conscious in our prayers. What lies do we wrestle with? What areas does the enemy try and change our perception, distract us from Christ's truth, of the freedom that he purchases for us? Where do the enemy's lies try to weigh us down, try to discourage us, try to distract us from the truth of what Jesus has bought for us? We need to be watchful. And the final thing in this verse is to be thankful is to be thankful. There's so much said around how, like just from a mental health space, if we can learn to be thankful, we're doing so much better in life. There's, there's so much. We all, it's an interesting space to be in and it's good for us to reflect on because life throws crap at us sometimes in all sorts of shapes and forms. And sometimes from those that we love, like just, it's just hard work sometimes. But what's, what's the ultimate thing? This is not a rhetorical question. I'm looking for an answer. What, what ultimately are we in a place to be thankful for? Salvation. Yeah. As much as we might try to be good, we're all sinners. But completely forgiven, completely made new, we stand holy and blameless before God. And we have a future without any trouble. Wow. Today I stubbed my toe and I'm a little grumpy around it. But we have so much to be thankful for. And that simple thing. And so Paul writes, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and being thankful. Now we move on to verses 3 and 4. These verses for us, it serves as a bit of a transition. Obviously, Paul's asking the church to be praying for him. Let's, let's read it. Paul says, pray for us too, that, God's, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So Paul is specifically asking the church of of Colossae to be praying for him in his role of sharing this message out with others. 
Now, Colossians 1 to 3 essentially has been focused on the Colossians' relationship with God and not, not being distracted by the false teachers. Be aware of who you are in Christ. Stand firm. Put on the new life. Like it's all about how you're living out this relationship with God. Paul's mentioned that he has the space of sharing the message with others. And then he calls them to prayer and to be praying, but again, focused on their walk with God and their living that out, their relationship with God. In these verses, Paul just simply invites them to join him in looking a little bit wider. To pray for Paul in the spaces he is. Pray for clarity. Pray for opportunities. But as we look at this passage, in these verses, it's just a little bit of a transition where Paul is actually saying, okay, now it's a little bit more than just you and God. Join me, pray for me, let's pray for others, that God's message might even go further. We're not going to look too much more at those verses. Let's move on to 5 and 6. The next part of the tortilla as God is wrapping up this burrito for those. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. See, he was thinking burritos too. So you may know how to answer everyone. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. So he's starting with wisdom. He's, he's talked about being devoted to prayer. He's invited them to pray for him as he shares the message. And now he's saying be wise in the way you live towards outsiders. The um, New Living Translation says live wisely. Live wisely amongst those who are not believers. Now wisdom. In Colossians 1 verse 9 and 1 28, 2 verse 3, Paul makes it really clear. Wisdom comes from God. And how do we get things from God? We pray. This is still all about being soaked in prayer. Just devoted to prayer and it's working its way out now in a new way. Make the most of every opportunity, he says. This is about snapping up opportunities. Um, maybe a month ago, tickets to the Sticky Fingers concert came online. And um, my daughters were in the car because they were, they were keen to get these tickets. There was cheaper ones. And there was only so many of them and they were going to sell quick. So they had to be, they were online trying to get in there real quick. Maybe the connection wasn't quick enough, but they went on it as quick as they can, missed it. The opportunity comes and goes in no time with so many things in our lives. But in, the, in terms of our opportunities with others and sharing what God has done in our lives, it's that same kind of thing. The terminology here, it's about snapping up every opportunity. He's trying to buy things as soon as they come up. Not being dull, not being half asleep. Again, we're being watchful for opportunities as well as dangers. 
through this, we are just, I, I urge prayerfulness. Let's, let's, as we live amongst those around us, keep learning just to pray, Father, give me wisdom. Father, help me to see the opportunities. Father, help me to know how to respond to them. We need to rely on Him in this. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Now this is, this is all about the grace that Christ has poured out on us. We don't deserve anything good. You know, we, we are sinners before a holy God. There is so much that we could be condemned about, but Christ welcomes us with open arms. Each of us, we know our own hearts, we know our own brokenness, we know our own fallenness. And, you know, we might stand feeling filthy, feeling undeserving. But Christ embraces us. Christ welcomes us and transforms us. And God sees us as holy and blameless just because of the the grace, because of his grace. And so let our conversations be seasoned with grace. Not condemning. Not judging others. I think, unfortunately, the media loves to play on this. But too often the, the spoken word of the church is judgment and condemnation. But Paul writes, let your conversation be, be full of grace. Seasoned with salt. So it's a real familiar metaphor in the ancient world where it was. And it's, essentially it's about, like, just don't be boring. Make it tasty. Make it lively. Make it interesting. I love when you look at Jesus and the, and the Pharisees are coming and saying, can you explain this law to us? Can you explain what this means? And he's like, yeah, get around, kids. I'm going to tell you a story. I think... It would have been so easy to answer in a, you know, in a, in maybe in a lawyer sense or in a, you know, let me go through the points. But Jesus drew them together with stories to help to illustrate it. Seasoned with salt. And he finishes, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And Paul is implying that from their wise living, from their gracious and salty conversations, that people are going to want to ask them something. People are going to want to ask, what, what is it with your life? Why, what is going on in your life? What is going on? And so we need to prayerfully seek to answer with grace and with saltiness. Praying for wisdom all the time. Again, it just keeps coming back. Be devoted to prayer. When we're standing somewhere, I say, Father, I need your wisdom. Father, give me the words. Father, give me stories. Help me to think of something creative to capture their heart. And so this is Paul's burrito. Last one. This is Paul's burrito. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And as you pray, 
Join us in sharing God's love message through your life and your conversations. This is Paul's message to the Colossians, and I think we need to pause and ask, how is God speaking through it to us? How is God speaking through these words to us? I know a constant thing that the Lord is working in my life is calling me to learn to pray more to learn to surrender more, to learn to try and do less in my own strength, but learn more and more to do things in His, to relate with Him more, to rely on Him more for the simplest things, to trust Him in the big things and not think that there's nothing we can do, and keep bringing before Him the personal, the struggles. Um, I want us just for a moment, let's just pause. We're just going to be still, we're going to be quiet, but I encourage you just to process this with the Lord and ask the Lord some questions and just, Father, where do you want me to grow in this? I don't want to say any more, but just take a minute, just pray, just be still before God, see how He wants you to grow in this. And finally, Regarding sharing God's love, it can be um, can be really easy to think of this as not our role. You know, we're not pastors. Carl and Shah will take care of that. There are people who are called as evangelists, and that's not me. But what I love in this passage is that. Paul's not calling anybody to put up a box and stand and start preaching to people. He's calling us to love and to live and to speak in ways that are filled with grace so that people might ask us. And there are people in in this neighborhood, there are people in our neighborhood who won't know our pastors, but they know us. They might be our neighbours, our friends, our family. And I know God longs to touch them and to reach them. Can we um, just encourage us, encourage us with whatever you're comfortable, you may want to pray about this by yourselves, you may want to gather two or three family, friends. But just for a second, let's consider those around us who God may want to just make himself more known to. And let's lift those names before him and pray that God would give each of us wisdom and grace and help us to be aware of the moments and the opportunities that he brings before us. Let's take a couple of minutes. However you want to, either by yourselves or pray with those with you.